Hello everybody. This is Value Line Observer by the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. Get it. And I'm Vern Value. We are 25-year Wall Street veterans. Value is my name. Pardon me? I'm sorry. Oh, your value is your name. I Please love the, go I on. love the sound okay. of that. Uh, what was I saying? We are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have had to go underground to bring you our candid views on a handful of weekly stock picks. You have seen us quoted in your newspaper. You have seen our faces on TV. But our bosses would never allow us to provide these unvarnished views. Uh, however, who knows? Maybe they would. I don't know. But. Uh, a couple disclosures. No, no. no. I, no uh, we sometimes own these stocks. Oftentimes we do. I try to own as many as possible at all times. Uh, we may have lucrative relationships with the management teams. Uh, or would like to or have. we'd like to have yeah, lucrative yeah. relationships uh, with This the is completely teams. for entertainment purposes. Uh, what you're about to hear are not well, but we're actual, trying to, we're these trying are not to pick actual good recommendations. Uh, and do not try this at home. <laughs> yeah, gentlemen. right. Although... Uh, we do. Um, you're going to hear lots of opinions, not a lot of actual analytical work, everybody. It's Saturday, okay? You get me? We're waking up early to bring you these uh, these thoughts. But they are unvarnished. They're unvarnished, and they, we are trying to get it right. They may be largely unsubstantial, and, but uh, uh, you know, this is the word, same yeah. good advice our professional clients get, although usually later in the day. But, uh, yeah. uh, Anyway, this we week trying to hone it a little more. This for week them. we're going to look at the August 18th edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. They've got a lot of picks. We're going to go through them and pick a handful of our favorites. This is our sole resource that we're working. That's with. all we're working with this week. Uh, Value Line. As always. And uh, Vern's going to go first this week. Uh, oh, I got to go uh, first. What are you going to talk about? Well, later. It's a show that ha they have a lot of stuff this week. Recreation, entertainment stuff. I've been. Uh, Amusing myself with the last few days. Hotels, we've both been familiar with that. Publishing, so a lot of stuff. We've been in these uh, in these grounds before. You talked gonna, about newspapers. Yeah, I'm going to uh, come back a little later. I'm going to talk about Mattel. Uh, I'm going to talk about New York Times, Tribune, something that uh, a, a friend of mine owns, uh, yeah. Hexel, which I've kind of become endeared to. Is that like composite materials? Yeah, yeah I'm going to get into it a little bit later. Anyway, okay. right now I'd like to introduce my colleague in... Uh, Captivating you. <laughs> that was not good. But anyway, uh, well, Vern Value. It's Vern. tough to be original every single week of it is. the year. It is. That's it the is. great thing about Value Line. It's just relentless. It shows up relentless. every week. It's reliable. Uh, a lot of good information in here. A tremendous amount. Everything you really need to know about a stock on a single page. Yeah. Uh, that's why we're Not loyal subscribers and have been for enough. a long time. Anyway, um, I, there's actually uh, several stocks this week that uh, I can get excited about. Um, Good. But I'm going to lead off with my uh, favorite idea. It's uh, miscategorized, I think, although it's commonly placed here uh, in the diversified chemical group. Okay, but 3M, you know, Minnesota Mining. Minnesota Mining uh, and Symbol is MMM. That's right. Um, 50 plus billion market cap, so huge, just behemoth company that um, um, I think it gets a bad rap for its ability to sustain sort of linear double-digit growth rates. Um, uh, I, you know, I don't know, a disappointment that they can't seem to convert innovation into more free cash flow or something like that. They seem sort of I, like mom inventing stuff, don't they, which well, you can't really imagine. The return or... on capital record here, 10 years value line gives you, 
the lowest number in 2001 recession, 19.4%. All the others amazing. have a two-handle. I remember line. listening to this management team a number of years ago, and they themselves were saying they didn't quite know how to identify what it is that they do, and they decided as a management team that what it was they did was make flat things very well. Flat stuff. Yeah. So they said we're going to get into tape. But, but, uh, and not know, out of metal, discs, though. magnetic really. stuff. Now, I think they've gone a little beyond just flat. Um, the post-it notes are flat. I'm serious. Revenue is like $23 billion. It was 15 seven years ago. I mean, it, the company obviously grows. Um, I believe that's all organic. It's about half, um, uh, actually more than half of sales are outside the U.S., um, I think this is a great time to be looking at this stock. It's a good, um, solid company. It's uh, priced right now at a, um, uh, according to Value Line, at $68. We're looking at about a 13% discount to the market, yielding 2.7%. That $68 price level is sort of near the lows of the last three years. Um, and, um, you know, sort of within the price range going back a couple more years beyond that. So there's nothing, I mean, this looks relatively cheap, at least, you know, versus recent history. It is very stable. It uh, has gone through a couple periods where uh, revenue sort of flattened out the mid-90s uh, around the uh, turn of the century. Now what are their big products now? I kind of well, I, the thing that I like about it, especially in a world where you have to be at least modestly concerned that... Uh, the current boom in China is going to have to, you know, cool uh, off we got it. Well, you, it won't just cool off. When you have something booming like this, you're going to get a nasty correction, and it could last for two or three years even. Look what happened to Asia in the late 90s. I mean, oh, it was right. uh, very severe. Now they're now now the rest of Asia is growing rapidly. Um, but what I like about 3M is they don't have a lot of what you'd call pure industrial or infrastructure related uh, businesses. Healthcare, 21 percent. Consumer and office, 14 percent. Safety, security, and protection, 11 percent. That's like 40 percent of uh, sales just basically serving the individual human being. And they do another 17 percent displaying graphics. I don't know what all these products are, but, uh, you know, this is... Uh, uh, very much a consumer-oriented uh, company these days. That's why, you know, specialty chemicals, kind of a funny way to put it. Um, I'm looking at about 10 to 11 times cash flow, according to uh, Value Line's, uh, you know, uh, uh, metric before taking into account uh, CapEx. It's about 13 to 14 times free cash flow, a little more than I'd like to pay, but with a 15 multiple, I mean, I'm looking back, you know, every number basically on this page for average annual PE historically is a, is a higher number than that. Well, you know, we're in a good um, position here today. We're in an Internet zone. I'm just looking uh, Friday's close here. The stock is 8.9 uh, times enterprise value to EBITDA, which is a statistic Yahoo Finance uses that uh, I think is a wonderful way to look at this. That's cheap. That's an 11% yield on cash if you were to buy this whole company. Um, the risk here is probably, you know, short term. Might well be George Buckley. This is the new CEO that came out of Brunswick. You may have seen. I, Brunswick's actually in this week's issue, and uh, that stock's been uh, imploding uh, based on you know, concerns about consumer demand, obviously, for something as discretionary as a, a pleasure boat craft. Right. So he got out at the right time. Does that make him shrewd or just lucky? I don't know. There's some concern, I think, in the marketplace that um, he's running an awfully large enterprise compared with uh, his historical uh, 
capabilities. I'd suggest that a business with 64,000 employees and 125,000 plus shareholders that makes 50,000 products in 200 companies uh, is uh, too big for one guy to have much influence. Um, and I think that's what's wrong here. And I think one of the interesting ideas uh, for 3M uh, in an era where shareholder activism uh, is, uh, is ramping up in part because uh, it's getting harder to see cyclical gains, if you will, in uh, uh, in value creation from where we, you know, where well, we are today, especially with what's going on. Desperate to spend money. Fifty-two billion isn't a tremendous amount of money. You, just write a check. you know, the stocks so off. The stocks off recently because they missed in a quarter, and they're they they blamed it on a uh, optical film product that's used in flat panel displays or. Uh, um, maybe the televisions themselves, and uh, you know that's the kind of business that could be divested. These guys rarely sell anything. It says here they divested National Advertising Company in 1997. Um, you know, there's an opportunity here to uh, change the scale of this enterprise, uh, segregate growther, growthier businesses from those that are more cash cow kind of businesses, and um, uh, produce a, a a lot more interesting. Um, uh, investment opportunity than you've got right now, just owning the whole thing, which is a little bit like a battleship and awfully hard to turn. So um, are we buyers or what? Absolutely, I think yeah. it's a fabulous stock. The other, well, the other thing that uh, may not be obvious to people is that if you look at the last line of the value line data table, it shows you how much of uh, uh, net, or net income has been paid out as dividends. And in recent years, it's been closer to 40%. I've got a 2.7% yield already, but that's below historical norms in terms of what they could sustain uh, uh, based on free cash flow with their you know, return profile being like 25% return on capital. So opportunity for the dividend to accelerate there as well. Um, now, I'll move a little quicker through the rest of these. I want um, to start to get a little sleepy. Oh, give me a break. Um, I uh, am going to come back to a name that we talked about, I think the last time it came up in rotation as well, Disney, symbol D-I-S. Um, 60 billion market cap. The stock uh, is up, I think, probably from where we talked about it. Um, approaching $29, according to value line here. A modest 7% premium to the market to one of the most valuable content franchises in the history of mankind as we enter the digital era uh, when content will rule. And of course, uh, the big news, Disney is the uh, acquisition earlier this year of Pixar. And we talked Last I time about Pixar. how hugely this important this I just is in terms of uh, I love isn't it. that a great movie in terms of uh, rejuvenating the Disney portfolio and leveraging every can there be? How, oh, many how many new attractions or entirely new theme parks I mean, could be built around Buzz some of these? And Woody, how many uh, the stock at twenty nine. Uh, is, never is near the high that it's, uh, this $29 stock price is kind of where the stock has maxed out the last three years. It's down from 31, but uh, you got a lot of event there's uh, a, that you can't get away from. You know, that's, I think, what keeps the lid the, on The performance here has gotten stronger, and they're generating it more consistently across the entire business. Uh, Value Line points out that they have you know, good gains everywhere. I'm sort of struck by studio entertainment did a lot better, and it did it with cars. And clearly, um, cars is not one of their more most successful 
uh, movie, so I think there's you know some implied upside there. You got some licensing opportunities. Mattel just reported that one of the reasons they've done so well, is, and we'll get to it, is cars. So there's other ways to make money. Their occupancy rates are, have been very high at their resorts, and uh, park uh, volume I think has been okay. Been some weather issues in certain places. I don't know that it's affected the Disney park specifically, but just business execution looks a lot sharper. Return on capital, high single digits, has returned to levels not seen in basically 10 years. I think if they can sustain this improvement, put another couple, three, four quarters together, you could get a breakout here on the valuation. Well, look how long it's underperformed. They've got this nice relative dot chart in here. It's, right. You know, it goes back a long way, and I agree with you. This is great content. I think it's a huge opportunity, the even though the stock's don't done get well. Raises. I mean, that's almost the most important thing I could say. Their best people will never get a raise. Now, another concept that we talked about the last time this group came up was uh, the other theme park operators, and we liked Cedar Fair. And I'm sad to report it. Uh, it doesn't look like it's done that well. It's uh, $24 according to Value Line. It's been as high as 30 earlier this year. Patience as a tool. Uh, so my guess is that uh, you know we we were looking at it you know three points higher maybe. Uh, Value Line just lowered their rating to a five when the the uh, the the value of each individual share at $24 is really sort of at or below lows from the last four years. Uh, and well within the trading range for like six years. Um, I mean, it's you know, it's it's clearly at a ten times free cash flow. Um, it's uh, ten times free cash flow. There's a better than twelve percent cash on cash return here. Before you count the dividend, the yield right now at seven point eight percent. Even if you believe that the this acquisition that they did, which I don't believe we knew about when we talked about it before, which according to Value Line is basically doubled the size of the company. This is Paramount Parks. Uh, even if it were to create a temporary cash flow problem, say it's some integration execution problems, you could cut that yield in half. Um, and you're, and you're still okay. And you're still doing all right. Uh, and that would clearly, I mean, when you look at the stability of the performance record here, it's clear that they've got good operators involved. Yeah, cash flow per share goes up every year, earnings go up every year. So, I, you know, this looks like a really steady 8 to 10%. Percent. And the reason we like it, and we still do, is we think there's a call, embedded call option in here on the uh, possibility of some kind of uh, terror event that would affect international demand for international travel. Uh, or How air much travel. Of their business is uh, international tourism. Well, the point is, none of it is. Uh, yeah. Right. Their business, this is what's so great about this company. And I, the Paramount Parks may have added some California and Florida exposure, but the original Cedar Fair business, Sandusky, Ohio, Allentown, Pennsylvania, Kansas City, Missouri, someplace in Michigan. Six Flags is uh, Dallas, I believe. Paramount? Is that a particular park or something? Uh, the Paramount Parks? These are uh, movie-themed parks. Uh, there's one in uh, there's one in, uh, in the Orlando area. And, oh, really? uh, yeah. Never been. Um, I don't believe I have either. Um, but it was clearly a stock deal because units mm -hmm. outstanding went from sh under $54 million to $65 million. all happening this year. So, so a stock and cash deal some dilution in return that occurred, but that's now a past event. Of um, I'm going to bet that if you know something really bad happens involving international flights, like this recently aborted um, thing uh, that would have affected, uh, you know, if they, were, they were what supposedly targeting ten different aircraft. This is the kind of business that would benefit from that. I'm not trying to scare people. I just 
Um, that's not why, you know, you can make a case for it without that, but that clearly would be upside. Um, well, in a negative division. A, uh, yeah, you know, right. That's why. Disney, you know, it's such a great content company. I don't know if there isn't an idea to, to just split out those parks. I think oh, that's get, part of what that A lot of people have the been asking them. A lot of people have wanted them to do yeah. that for a long time. Um, and that's all upside to Disney. When that happens... Well, one of the, as you've commented yourself when you've been to a park, and I, I'm going to bet anybody that's listening to my voice right now who's been to a Disney theme park has to come away impressed with the way they execute. I mean, generally spotlessly clean. You don't see garbage accumulating. Everybody's relentlessly uh, uh, pleasant and helpful, and uh, there's ready availability to first aid and things like that. Everything's first class. It's just they, they take excellent care of and, and that has a, that, that's very important to the brand, and we're talking about one of the most important brands globally uh, that I can understand them wanting to exert control over, um, you know, consumer interface with a brand. Uh, so I, you know, I don't know that you'd ever persuade so them to exit. set up a exit. separate company with all the same management team and what have you and issue different stock, that's all. Uh, and have it be 100% held by the parent? I mean, you'd have no, to maintain control. It all out to the Somebody center. else buys it then. We write contracts that management can only be changed if the management That's of Disney. Short-term view, uh, you know. Eventually, managers die if nothing else, right? Contracts. Look, I'm going to move on right now to uh, the other thing I wanted to look at this week. We uh, we haven't traditionally spent a lot of time looking at energy because, as you might have caught from the name of our uh, uh, our forum here <laughs> and the names we use, um, right, our and the by the way, they're guys. not our real names. Right. They're our assumed names. Our un, you know underground. Identities right. um, involve value, my, uh, and it's been pretty, it's been, <laughs> it's been pretty hard to find uh, uh, value in the energy sector. But I looked really hard through uh, oil field services, which it seems to me in an environment where it's very difficult to uh, punch more holes in the ground, uh, especially in the developed world where uh, it's you know really considered evil well, by allowed, a certain proportion of the population. Uh, a politically influential proportion of the population, that services companies then have have something really have something to offer in a world where oil prices and natural gas prices aren't just high, but a world in where they really there are significant risks that could drive them higher. Um, and uh, I think I found a couple that look pretty interesting. I'd probably buy some of both. Okay, um, and part of this is a relative uh, uh, call actually, and I'm going to use Schlumberger really as my benchmark. It's the cream of the crop, really. It's the best company, I think. First stock I ever wrote about. Uh, Value Line rates at a one, uh, $64 recently. Um, you know, a, a really, you know, a breakout cyclical. They have it as a one. High, you know, a 33% premium to the market at almost 23 times earnings. Yields less than 1%. It's more than 20 times free cash flow. Margins, operating net, return on capital, all Jeez. at new record levels. Uh, it's the it's well, the best company. The valuation it's is all also priced. At uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, actually, it you is. Can't buy that. Oh, good lord, no. Um, so that's all. That's done, right? But in comparison, great company. Um, I've got a couple companies here in services that I think are interesting, and I really I weeded out most of the group because most of the uh, publicly traded. Um, alternatives really are contract drillers and they basically just sell capacity and capacity utilization right now is right around 100% or something so 
all of them now have to invest in incremental capacity and incremental returns start to go down from here. Whereas while it's still difficult to punch new holes, companies that are based on the, are based on the proposition of helping you develop what few you can and then maximize the output from existing holes in the ground would be the things I'd want to own. And there's a couple here trading at nice discounts to the market. Their, their performance is at levels that hasn't been seen before, just like with Schlumberger. But instead of a huge premium to the market, I'm looking at BJ Services, 11 billion market cap, um, 36.60 price at value line shows, 13 and a half times earnings. That's a 20% discount to the market. It's a 45% discount to Schlumberger, similar yield, half a percent. This is only 10 times cash flow, 11 to 12 times free cash flow versus the 20 times at Schlumberger. This is, uh, it says, I don't know this company well, it says they're a global provider of pressure pumping and other oil field services, um, well cementing and stimulation services used in the completion of new oil and natural gas wells, in addition to remedial work on existing, okay? And then it, other services, they have some equipment sales. I, hopefully that's not a big piece of it. International, 44% of you include Canada. I don't mind. Fidelity owns 5.5%. I, usually they're not a bad uh, co-investor. Um, I like the um, I, value, value line in their little write-up here identifies the political risk. Consumption of fossil fuel demand is up, right? And we've got some significant political risks. I, Iran is a huge risk right now in global oil markets and uh, the, the, the you know renewed shooting uh, in the Middle East is a major yeah, problem. Yeah, this is a value guys uh, oil play. No so uh, if you're going to own, if you're going to have to pay up and uh, you know because you are paying for a uh, new cyclical record performance here at 11 to 12 times free cash flow, uh, you need to have some conviction that it can be sustained. Uh, the other one that I well, like you know, is... there's also just an embedded call option there. So I think there is a the way to value side. it as a value guy, where you go in and say, what's the sustainable... You know, there's a... Based on history, and then the rest is a call option, and that may be based on your own probabilities for events and such, a, a different calculation that allows you to... certain ways, you know, some of that same Cedar Fair kind of uh, exposure. Yeah. Got another smaller one. I haven't heard of this one before. Helix Energy Sol Solutions. Uh, HLX is the symbol. 3.4 billion market cap came public in '97. Schroeder Wertheim did the deal. I mean, reputable firm at the time. 36% uh, debt to cap, so a little bit of leverage, but not excessive. This is uh, 10 and a half times earnings, 38% discount to the market at 36.60. Does not pay a, a, a dividend. Uh, cash flow five or six dollars selling for 36 free cash flow i got to take off looks like three to 350 kind of a number so i've got two and a half to three and a half four dollars of free cash flow so it might be you know 10 to 12 times free cash flow right now um, they apparently did an acquisition with stock I see book values up over 350 million. They bought something called Remington Oil and Gas. This company, it says, is a leading services company, primarily Gulf of Mexico. And the thing that interests me here is I'm looking at this as a play on the uh, drilling possibilities off the coast of Florida. And this is going to continue to be tied up for a while. But I, as I understand the issue, the major, uh, um, the major. Um, 
uh, no, the major obstacles to getting some incremental uh, market growth opportunity um, have been removed. So I didn't look carefully at the drillers, but if you focused on three or three, if you bought a small position, three or four of those that were focused primarily on Gulf, Eastern Gulf, primarily gas, if there's a way to play that, I don't know if that's jack up or what that is, but um, um, you ought to be looking at the possibility of playing that. I like, uh, I like this. It says it uh, has a diversified fleet of ship vessels that support offshore drilling, well completion, pipeline construction, platform, subsea. I mean, they, they, they do soup the nuts. The uh, officers and directors own 9% of the company. Newberger Berman owns 10%. Um, I think this looks really interesting with a... Uh, I, what might be an attractive valuation, hard to say. Value lines calling for, you know, double-digit uh, sustained earnings growth. Uh, they think the long-term free cash flow picture is, uh, what, 350 a share? So it's like 10 times that number. I think that's pretty a pretty attractive risk-reward possible uh, possibility. So that's what I've got. Val, a little bit of uh, energy services, a little bit of entertainment and digital content. And our favorite idea, actually, 3M, fantastic company, a lot of value that could be unlocked there. What you got? When you say we, you don't mean me. Uh, that, again, I'm sorry. So I, the said, I have this enough. problem. I, yeah. I slip oh. into institutions well, speak from so your, easily. Your day job. That's, that's what it requires. This is different. We're laid back. Look at you. You have a beverage. Let's have a beverage, beverage break. break. Even though <sighs> early. Okay. Well, well, ladies and gentlemen. Long talk. Uh, this is Val Hughes, and uh, I'm going to be uh, a little uh, brief this week. Uh, mainly, I'm, I'm on vacation, as you may recall. Vern was on vacation last week. And well, but you came out to the cabin, brought your family out last was week. Wasn't that great? I told you it would yeah, be. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but now we're, uh, we're in my kitchen because uh, I'm on the way out uh, in a little while. Anyway, it's a good week to be going out because we're doing the recreation industry, entertainment industry, hotel gaming industry. It's like that's my itinerary for this week. You know, by the way, I you know I could have thrown in. I would definitely stay away from Brunswick, um, in part because uh, chart looks scary. I just pulled. Well, and there's historical precedent for like seven and eight forward uh, PE multiples on that yeah, stock. Yeah, this industry's gotten into some Polaris tax rates. The, Polaris recently had a dealer meeting. I understand the feedback out of that was uh, kind of a yawner. Like, they don't have a lot of new product to help the dealer. I don't know how much prices that business is up, under huge pressure, especially with snowmobiles. Uh, companies so. may not fully appreciate is that uh, consumers don't really need anything. So if, if you go out in a season, you try to pass on your cost hikes and price, you'll just be surprised no one shows up because they don't need your new thing and they really have to feel like they have a bargain. And with interest rates picking up now, would you rather earn 5% at the bank or pay up 5% for something you don't actually need? Well, Value, value Line sort of sees it the same way. They've got four two-rated stocks in the group and no one-rated stocks. The other thing that consumer companies uh, need to keep in mind now, because it's a completely different world than it was even 10 years ago, which is that there's eBay. So so uh, that uh, one-time use snowmobile that used to sit in somebody's garage because uh, no passerby had $5,000, uh, you know, now it's on eBay. And so new goods are competing with used goods in a way that they never uh, have. Uh, 
That's why they call them consumer durables. Durables. Yeah, exactly. right. So, uh, anyway, where am I? You know, a lot of money I, being know, made in home appliances, admit, right? Uh, well, that's I what haven't it is. done as much work this week as I sometimes don't do. Actually, I very, very rarely do. I think we're both guilty of that yeah. from time to time. But this week, fortunately, I'm going to talk about things I already know about and already own, which is great. So my first one here, and I uh, was recently uh, actually uh, watching a, uh, or playing with a, a toy of theirs, Mattel, ticker, M-A-T, Mattel. Uh, page 1854, big toy company, big toy company, you might have heard of it, okay, it's, uh, they make a lot of stuff, now, the stock has underperformed for about three years, I've unfortunately owned it that whole time, uh, but I'm not unhappy, I do, in fact, I recently added to my position because of the brands, we talk about that a lot here, the one thing that a brand has is that they can maintain uh, the consumer's trust, they have tremendous visibility, which means that in general, uh, confused consumers are going to gravitate towards something that they know and trust. And you may not have to spend as much on advertising uh, to punch through since you're already, uh, you know, through. So uh, they have some brands that are very powerful. Uh, the negative on the stock over the last three, four years has been that Barbie is losing market share to uh, upstart toys like uh, the Bratz dolls. If you have a, a daughter uh, or a niece or something like that, you've seen these dolls. And let's face it, they're, uh, they're slutty little dolls, okay? I'm just going to say it here uh, on the air. And some people gravitate towards that. But, uh, you know, let me just say something. Barbie continues to be the largest toy in the world. Now, they have come down a bit. Uh, but it's a very wholesome doll, and uh, they have faced some cost pressure due to the resin and all that. But frankly, uh, you don't need Barbie to make this thing work. Barbie is now uh, quite a bit less than half, and Barbie, when I say Barbie, there's a lot of Barbie. There's a lot of dolls, there's movies, there's toys, so there's clothing. So Barbie encompasses a lot, and increasingly Barbie is coming out on digital. There's movies, DVDs, uh, video games, PC games, well, they've been able to they've been able to create digital Barbie that can actually entertain your child, and yeah, you can create a play with Barbie. Yes, you and your kids can play. I've done. You can type words in. You can have scripts. It's a lot of fun. And as grandparents, as the boomers become grandparents, I'll just tell you, they're not going to buy the brat slut doll. They're going to buy the Barbie. Okay. Now, in addition, because I know you know this, everybody, but they have a lot of other great brands. They have uh, Polly Pockets. Uh, they have American Girls, which is a great American franchise in, in the infancy of that. They've got Hot Wheels and Matchbox, and the Justice Department is not actually looking into that, so there's no legal risk in that. They own both. Uh, they have uh, Fisher-Price, which is a great children's toy set and gaining share in all kinds of educational, computer. They're really competing well there, and uh, basically they uh, got a kick in the butt from LeapFrog, which came out a few years ago. That was another fly in the story here, but Fisher-Price has really responded well, and they've got a whole host of uh, better-priced and uh, well-operating educational toys. And then they get a lot of licenses, particularly with Disney. We were talking about that a little earlier, so for Plush and games and action figures. Uh, they also uh, they own Tyco Toys, which is the largest manufacturer of uh, you know remote control uh, vehicles. Uh, no, I didn't know that. Yes, they, they do. I love now, I, that company. Well, there you go. That's Mattel. People wow. love it. Now, what's been the rub is Barbie has been losing share. As I mentioned, it's still very large. And Barbie now is quite a bit less than uh, half of uh, earnings. And a few 
quarters well, ago. It's quite a bit less. Well, it's about 35, 40 percent. Okay. Still, it's important. Okay. But the negative on the street is this is, if, you know, a, a, a buy on Mattel is contrary to Barbie losing share. Uh, you know, there were a lot of great dolls years ago that are no longer there. Things have their cycle. A Barbie's still very But even strong. a huge 10 percent decline would be less yeah, than 4 percent. It's not growing, I think, is the, is the news. But uh, a couple quarters ago, even though Barbie was down, which it's been down, um, the slack was caught by American Girls, Fisher Price, Hot Wheels, and uh, and, and earnings were up and, uh, ahead of estimates. And the street kind of got onto the idea. You can see the little uptick in relative performance in the spring. Uh, you got onto the idea that, well, hey, maybe this can work even without Barbie, and that's the fact that it can't. They just announced a new American Girls store, I believe, in Los Angeles, and uh, the original one is in Chicago, and I believe one is coming to New York. So there's a lot of cities, and these things generate about uh, $10 million apiece, and they also create awareness uh, or, or more than that. I'm not actually sure of the number, 10 to 20, I'd say. And then they create a great deal of awareness around the brand, etc. Uh, why am I so excited about Mattel? Well, just like 3M, a great company, earning returns year in and year out. These guys earn a nearly 20% return on capital year in and year out. And, you know, they, they, they now have a little debt. It used to be a debt free story. Now they have 28% debt to cap. And actually, if I look back here, that's not right. They've always carried a little debt. It's really no more than they always have. Their share count here continually goes down. This company is committed to a couple of things, which, which I love. Return on investment. And uh, if, you don't have a, if you don't have a good use for the capital internally, uh, give the capital back to the stockholder. And they've been doing that consistently uh, for many, many years. Uh, the value line sheet here talks about a turnaround a little bit. I, you know, I don't buy it into that. I mean, they're going to have their ups and downs. What they're calling a turnaround is simply that they had a couple of good licenses this year, Cars and Superman. Big competitor Hasbro faces these same cycles. Hasbro's a little bit more dependent. The reason I'm not talking about Hasbro right now, even though they have a reasonable valuation as well, is that Hasbro is more dependent on these cyclical sorts of hits with Star Wars being their big one and, and other, you know, big movies uh, than Mattel. Mattel seems to have more uh, stable, Brands. Mattel also historically more of a girls' business with American Girls and uh, Barbie, Hasbro, it's more sort of a boys' of, uh, business. the consumer but, staple of the toy industry. Yeah, but now they own Tyco Toys, they own Matchbox, so they're a little bit more. It's a little racier, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is, Vern. <laughs> That was a good one. Okay. Anyway, Mattel, I don't need to go on and on. The show's getting lengthy, and i got to get going here. Let's see. Uh, where am I? Uh, publishing. Reader's Digest, RDA. I own the stock. Page 1902. Old Line Magazine, still the biggest in the world. 10 million subscribers in the U.S. Another 10 million uh, internationally. problem with the company is uh, eight years ago they had 15 million uh, U.S. subscribers. But what some people don't appreciate is this company managed that down purposely. Uh, the cost of acquiring new readers through sweepstakes, which effectively in many states was real gambling and they can't 
can't do it anymore. Uh, and then they went to a direct marketing in the mail approach, and they just found that to maintain 15 million subscribers just cost too much. Just like uh, anybody can get uh, a lot of customers with advertising, but if your advertising costs blow away your sales, you know, it's, or your you know, blow away your margin, uh, you know, you can't do it. And that's what they realized. And frankly, direct marketers seem to know more about that than so. Has return on capital improved? So return on capital has been improving. Uh, you know, now there was an event in '02. The return on capital was 34 percent, uh, but Reader's Digest was losing readers. Uh, which is bad, of course. Uh, but then they got real heavy into the web, and they overspent for some properties to attract users to on the web. Protect the yeah, they did a big acquisition. None of that really worked out. They did a bunch of write-offs, which is not enough to help the returns. Uh, so for the last three years, they've been really trying to bring it back and turn it around, and there's been a couple changes in management. There were AB stock here that got turned to one class. Uh, the company's been preparing to basically be sold, uh, in my opinion. Now, management's not saying that, but they've sold, they've sold excess properties around the world. They've uh, sold their, uh, you know, extravagant headquarters, uh, upstate New York, uh, you know, and leasing it back, doing things like that to help capital uh, return more. And uh, they ran into a little problem last year with a couple businesses that they bought. The heads of those businesses retired, started new businesses. It's this business of selling books in your lobby. Uh, which is their consumer business, uh, which has had a lot of problems. So I could go on. They've had a lot of earnings problems, but through it all, earnings disappointments, but through it all, they've been improving return on capital, and they've attracted quite a healthy you know, number of in interested, value-oriented buyers. Uh, if you go and listen to their last conference call, for example, which you can on Yahoo Finance for free, uh, Leon Cooperman of Omega Funds was on the call. Uh, he owns about... Uh, you know, 50 stocks. This was one of them, and he was personally on the call. He's a busy guy. And there's a host of other interested parties. Kramer's been into this name recently, talking about some hedgies that own it, etc. So there's a little bit of a buzz around the stock, although that's not showing up in the price. So, you know, it's just something to look at. It's trading at about uh, nine times cash flow. There's a lot of interesting properties in here. You've got paper costs that could come down. That's a catalyst. You've got some new things going on with Rachel Ray, which they own. Reader's Digest Magazine, by the way, is just about half the business. The other half is they sell books direct. They have a host of magazines. Uh, Rachel Ray is a property of theirs. It's coming out with a new show, new magazine, blah de blah blah. Uh, they've acquired a, a recently a, a website focused on food, so they now have the biggest list of food uh, subscribers in the nation. Uh, you know, so they, they've got a lot of little niches. Go read your value line sheet. I can't really explain all of it here. In fact, value line does not do a tremendous job. There's a lot of little niches. You got to go listen to the conference call. Uh, but this thing is, I think, worth a toe in. Reader's Digest. Something's going to happen. You heard it here. Okay. What time is it? Jeez, I got to get going here. Okay, let me get to uh, something I've talked about before. It's the content, man. The content's yeah, no, good. It's good content, but man, I got to catch a plane. What am I telling you? All right, so. Uh, New York Times. New York Times, page 19. The newspaper everybody's heard of. Everyone's heard of this they one. They create content. Okay. Look out your window. Read something on a billboard. It's probably got the words associated with this company on it somewhere. New York Times. 
uh, NYT. Now, why do I like New York Times? New York Times has been underperforming since, if you look at the chart, early 03, all the way down. Wow. It's not pretty. Okay. Uh, what's been happening? Well, if you look at all the statistics, what you'll find is that uh, it's, uh, it's a 45-degree angle, roughly. They do have a logarithmic scale here, so that helps you. As I said a moment ago. Ow. Yeah. So... Uh, now, I've been recommending this on the show, and I'm kind of re-recommending Well, not the whole way down. Oh, no, no, no. You're no, trying no. to just, pick the bottom. Just, yeah, just for 06. But uh, I'll tell you, New York Times, in general, let me make a comment about newspapers. I think generally newspapers are in a lot of trouble. Uh, readers are going down. Readers are dying off. If you go ask a 21-year-old if he reads the paper, answer, uh, what? Uh, oh, no. So, uh, they, they don't know about all Quickly. this. Butter churn, yeah. buggy whip. And, oh, newspaper. Yeah, I remember what that a, looks like. When you have this confluence of technologies, I think what matters What's going to happen content. in future years when people are moving from one apartment to another and they have nothing to wrap all their breakables in? I don't know. They'll just call a mover, and that guy will move everything. They won't have to know. Do you think there will be a business in, like, cut-up pieces of newsprint? No. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't. Um, okay, it was a wacky idea. Anyway, uh, New York Times, it's all about the content. And they own, uh, you know, a couple of things. They own credibility in national United States news, politics, international, business, although the Wall Street Journal beats them out on that. Culture, sports, there's really not a category that they, uh, that they, uh, that they don't dominate. And as things migrate from newspapers to cable to your internet to your, you know, I uh, I mean, New York Times has credibility, and that what, that's what matters. Most small-town papers, mid-town papers, the reason I don't like the Tribune, even though there's a lot in the paper about that being broken up and all, is that's just a bunch of people squabbling about the past. You know, they, it was great years ago, the Chandler family is mad at the McCormick family because they're ruining the value. Uh, Tribune owns about a dozen mid-market television uh, stations. So, you know, 10 years from now, when you're going to the Internet besides well, besides WGN, right? They own that, but you know, they own a, a lot of you know uh, television stations around the nation here. Okay. Twenty-six major markets. So, for example, when you're going for news ten years from now, are you going to go to the internet and pull up the Kansas City Star uh, or KLTV or what have you, or are you going to you know, punch up New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, London Times, The Economist, uh, etc. Papers from around the world. You're not the Kansas. All these television stations are going to have local markets. They're not going to win out in the battle for credibility of news teams, sports teams, business teams like the New York Times. Uh, the Tribune. I like the Tribune newspaper, and they also own the LA Times. These are great papers. The flaw to Tribune to me is. They own all these TV stations, which aren't going to compete, and maybe Tribune should be broken up. Value Line rates both these companies three. Um, New York Times has a little bit higher yield. It's trading a little cheaper. The charts look almost exactly the same. The Tribune has scared up some of this takeover, you know, stuff. But uh, New York Times has uh, years, and years, years and years of good returns on capital. Uh, they do own the Boston Globe, so that's been struggling, but that'll be a turnaround. The Boston Globe, Boston is such a 
a passionate market for information, news, and local that uh, I think they'll turn that into a profit center and brand it somehow. But, uh, you know, there's also paper costs working in the background for both these companies. It's been a drag all through this period on profitability. That could turn around. Uh, we do have politics, you know, some uh, election seasons coming up. That's going to be a, a, very, a very nice catalyst. So in addition to just, you know, moving to the web and uh, identifying with these brands, New York Times particularly, the New York Times, I think, is a little better prepared. They own about.com, which I believe is the number four uh, most traversed site on the Internet. And uh, they're apt to get, you know, more, inter more uh, I think, uh, election-related um, uh, advertising than uh, maybe the Tribune. Oh, will. sure. They'll, they'll both benefit from that. But long-term play, New York still like Times, long, short I think, is, uh, is the play. And uh, the show is really running on. I, I had one other thing I want to throw out. Go ahead, because it's an interesting uh, stock. I don't know anything know about it, which helps. Uh, Excel, HXL, page 1968. Um, you know, what do they do? Well, Excel was founded 50 years ago. I'm just reading the value line. Is the world's leading advanced structural materials company. Composites. Uh, produces, uh, well, I'm just okay. reading what it says here. A carbon fiber, fiberglass, electronic materials, structural fabrics, and composites. So, Obviously, honeycomb, pre-pregs, firm film adhesives, sandwich panels. The point is, those are all well-established technologies in building composites with structure to them. Structures out of composite materials. An example would be an aircraft wing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. These guys have some of the most. Uh, lightweight material to lightweight to strength ratios uh, in the business. They're gaining a lot of share in all types of. Vehicles. They had a ballistics business. They sold it. That's uh, for armor. Um, okay. So it's more concentrated on aircraft now, where you have a tremendous cycle underway. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just helping out. I'm done. This has been about Well, the stock's down huge too. Take it. I I just I looked at it. I can't help it. Okay. Uh, this is Val now. I'm just going to get back to my idea here of Hexel. Uh, as Vern was saying, they do a lot of aerospace. They have uh, gained a lot of share of, uh, of aircraft. That's their biggest business now. Uh, the stock's down a lot because Airbus made some big mistakes and had to cancel a... Uh, uh, I guess a vehicle here. Oh, the uh, debacle with the... And uh, Hexel was uh, designed into that, so the stock is plummeted on that. And, you know, even if that plane isn't flying, I think all the predictions of how many people will fly, I mean, with, even with terrorism and stuff factored in, uh, you know, they're going to still need planes, and Hexel seems to do what they do better than most people. Uh, they're, for an industrial business, running, you know, nice returns on capital in the low teens, uh, return on equity, equity uh, projected this year to be about 20%. Their balance sheet's not as good as they like, 61% debt to cap. But, you know, this is trading near this 10 is, times cash This flows. is the, uh, I, I believe they're the biggest company of their type that you can invest in. And the, uh, the application of composites in commercial aircraft has uh, made huge strides in the last two or three planes that have been designed, the Dreamliner 
uses a lot of it at Boeing as well. Uh, whereas 10 years ago, I mean, they were experimenting with doors and small things made out of composite. So this is tip of the iceberg stuff. Right, you, right. you know, I mean, the big thing out a ways, I suspect, with fuel prices and all, fuel prices at these levels will do a couple things. They'll cause people to invent new, better fuels in some other way. Uh, but they'll also force a lot of weight out of uh, vehicles while we're waiting for that to happen. So I suspect that these guys have an opportunity in automotive. Well, the, the, and the technology has uh, moved in a way that they can now produce structures that are stronger than those made out of metal. Stronger at lighter weight. So yeah. there's no, no longer any sacrifice of any kind. Right. So. Um, I, I didn't realize it was down so much. I'm going to buy some of this myself. This is the Airbus. This thing, I mean, the street right now, let's face it, everybody, there's a lot of guys hovered around screens, and when bad news comes out and you can spin it into a scary, evil story, you can do it, and these stocks... There's a lot of capital that's been uh, it's been raised with the mission of taking advantage of situations Well, the other like thing is that I know there's Reg FD. Us guys on the long side, you know, we have Reg FD. We can't get inside information, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but on the short side, uh, you know, it's a little different. Uh, yeah, it's your mission. In, in the sense that uh, you can really come after and, uh, and, and create some fear in the marketplace. Um, and, uh, you know, these things have been over. Companies mostly made earnings estimates this last go around, but those that missed, the stocks were down 30, 40% a day on, I can tell you, because I've owned a couple of these and we've recommended a couple of them, but uh, the fundamentals are, are unchanged. So yeah, I you saw that bizarre reaction in Granger that you went through. Granger, uh, uh, another one is Kinetic Concepts recently, KCI, which is still a buy. Uh, but this Hexel, you know, this Airbus, is, Airbus doesn't get the business. Value line itself says it's volatile, it's risky. It's volatile. Well, it's new it's business volatile. awards are going to drive a lot of uh, right. um, interest short term. In so, so let me sum up. Uh, Val Hughes, my favorite name here continues to be uh, New York Times just because I think the, even though readers are going down, you know, maybe people don't appreciate that they, are, they have credibility in the worldwide marketplace of information and, and they're going to figure out how to convert that into value. Uh, readers Digest. Only because it smells like something's about to happen. And Mattel would be a, just a good stable buy here. You can hold a long time. And that's all I have. And that's all we've got. So I think we're going to wrap it up. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we'll be back with you uh, next week, as usual. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.